Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello, everyone. Today I am chatting with Katie Spencer. Katie is a licensed registered dietitian specializing in women's health and fertility. She, her husband, and two boys live in Nashville, Tennessee, where she practices virtually, working with women across the country to educate and empower them towards a life of wellness. In today's episode, we talk about ways to boost your nutrition before trying to conceive, foods to combat nausea and fatigue, different foods that are supportive to eat during each trimester, and much more. Let's dive right in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode. This podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Katie, how are you? We're excited to have you today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. So we are going to talk about foods today to optimize fertility and nutrition. I think we should go, you know, we'll we'll talk about the prenatal period during pregnancy and then the postnatal period. And, you know, we'll also make this so that it's not something that seems like it's not feasible for everyone. I know sometimes this can really stress people out like, oh, I'd love to eat really well, but I don't have a lot of time to be prepping foods every day or every night. And also, you know, when it comes to you know, going to the grocery store and buying some some of these foods, some people can get really overwhelmed because some of them are pricey. And I just want to make sure that we this this seems attainable for everybody listening. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I work with plenty of women that are are looking for that exact thing, right? Because we're always living busy lives and are on a budget. So I think that's absolutely appropriate to <laughs> to try to stick to. Yeah. And I think, you know, for the moms listening, it's it's very difficult to <laughs> prep your own food. Like I find myself every single morning, everybody's fed and then I'm like, oh my shit, <laughs> I didn't feed myself. And then you're just grabbing whatever you can find, you know, and yeah. it's not the greatest. <laughs> yeah. So I'm interested in hearing about this as well. So why don't we first talk about you're thinking about becoming pregnant, you want to be eating things that are optimizing your body to be able to carry baby. And what does that look like? Yes, that's a great question. And I really love this question because pregnancy is not just nine months, right? I know you've been through it a few times, four times, like we were talking about. I've been through it twice myself. And though, yes, you are carrying a child 
hopefully for that those nine months, right? Really the nutrition and the optimization of nutrition. And by that, I mean, you know, we can kind of coast along and eat to live, just like you were saying, like, I need to find food, but how do we optimize beyond just those nine months that we're pregnant? Because really mm-hmm. we're thinking about preconception. We're thinking about preparing our body so it's in its optimal prime position to be able to carry that child and to really nurture and nourish that child for those nine months. So when we're talking about how do we boost our nutrition prior to, you know, even becoming pregnant, for many couples, we're talking, maybe this is a conversation. Sometimes it's a surprise, but oftentimes it is a conversation that we're having. And I want to encourage you all that you can start now, whether you want to get pregnant next month or it's years down the road, anything that you're doing prior to conceiving is going to benefit the health of you and baby. So there are, of course, some kind of practical things. We're talking practical takeaways that that are easy for the average everyday woman, right? First thing is really making sure that we are eating, and this goes for prior to pregnancy and during and after. So just to lay that out there, but really we are eating a well-balanced plate at each meal of carbs, protein, and fat. I know there's a lot of fad diets out there. You know, anyone that scrolls on Instagram can feel totally overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> you know, going back to the basics of a well-balanced meal of carbohydrates, protein, and fat is really the foundation. So what I mean by carbs, protein, and fat, something quick on the go might be, you know, we hear carbohydrates are things like breads, pastas, grains, those white starchier fruits, um, high starchy vegetables, things like that. So at breakfast, I'm talking about you know, maybe grabbing a piece of toast and putting some peanut butter on it and quick convenience foods that are still healthy for you would be like a protein source would be like a chicken sausage or a turkey sausage that quite literally you can throw in the microwave and within less than a minute, you're out the door ready to go and you've got a well-balanced meal. And so kind of back to optimizing nutrition prior to conception is we want to balance our blood sugar by doing those carbs, protein, and fat. But the next thing that I think is an easy takeaway that can kind of be an easy thing to stick in your brain is eat a variety of color. I know it sounds very simple and rudimentary, but really, if you are taking kind of a snapshot, look back, even take today, for example, and you think back on the foods that you ate and did I eat various amounts of color throughout the day in different fruits, different vegetables, different types of protein sources. And the reason being is because different colored vegetables, like if if we're taking a carrot versus spinach, those each have really important nutrients, but they're not going to offer the same thing. So if we are eating a variety throughout the day, we know that we're hitting a lot of those micronutrients that are really important for pregnancy. Okay. So those are kind of the basics of, in general, every time you eat, are we eating carbohydrates, protein, and fat? And also, are we eating a variety of color? But I also want you to consider You know, I think we often as women are like, I have to be in the best shape. I have to get ready for pregnancy. It's all about like, it's up to me, right? But it takes two to tango. Yeah. So so get your partner involved. A lot of the nutrition that help optimize egg quality is also very similar to the same nutrition that optimizes sperm quality. So it takes about three to four months for us for when we ovulate that egg, it takes about three to four months for that egg to mature before we ovulate. So if we're thinking about what we're eating and what we're doing now, 
that egg is going to, that's what we're going to ovulate come December, January of 2022, right? And the same goes for your partner. So it takes about three months for the sperm to mature. So really both of you guys working together and really putting food first and trying to be more aware of what you're consuming, both parts of the parties, right? It's going to also help optimize when you do try to become pregnant and when you do try to conceive, optimize the chances of egg and sperm quality to help you achieve pregnancy and really be able to carry that pregnancy through. Awesome. I have a question for you. Yeah. So are you saying that like the rainbow sprinkles on the leftover ice cream cake I have in the freezer doesn't count as like an array of color when it comes to... No, I say go for it. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, that about blood sugar? That's, that's like the first thing I thought of when you were like, okay, <laughs> make sure you're eating a variety of color. Well, if that's an antidote anecdote <laughs> that people remember to say rainbow, okay, uh, maybe we can transition from the sprinkles. But if that's what keeps it in your brain, let's. So, I mean, l- grab and grow breakfast that I love. I'm a mom of two. I'm, I work from home, but I do work. So it is busy and it's crazy. Just like I know you can probably relate, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. But breakfast for me that are on the go, I love boiled eggs because they're convenient. They're maybe not super glamorous, but they get the job done when it comes to protein, healthy fats. So really making sure you're getting into protein. So I've got eggs. I do, like I mentioned, the chicken sausage. If you Mm -hmm. are very short on time, that's a great thing to pop in the microwave. If you have a little bit more time, slice it up, saute it in the pan, brown it a little bit. It's a little more appetizing that way. But that's a great convenience food. I also actually shared this on on my stories today, talking about how great of a convenient option are. There's some really good high quality frozen waffles, even ironically enough, frozen breads that you can grab, pull it out of the freezer, toast it, and then put on some sort of nut butter so that you're getting good quality fat and protein. They have protein waffles now too. Like it's so crazy. (laughs) Like all these different things they have now. It's just wild. It is wild. And honestly, I'm very thankful that we kind of live in a day and age that foods like that are you know, especially for those that deal with allergies or food sensitivities, there's even a lot tailored to that. Yeah. Where, you know, you can still get quality food and, and meet your macronutrients and really still be eating something that's convenient yet good for you. <laughs> yeah. We went out to lunch the other day and my husband got this sandwich and I've never been a, a big hard boiled egg eater. They just, I, they don't, I don't know. It's the texture and I don't know what it is, but his sandwich came, it was an egg sandwich and it came on, of course, you can always get like a whole wheat type of bread and just cut up your hard boiled egg into like slices. Mm -hmm. And then you lay it down on the bread and then it had like avocado. What else did it have? I think it had cheese. But anyway, it was phenomenal. And I was like, oh, I can eat a hard boiled egg like this. Like this is something I can do. And then I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know what I could do? This is actually probably a good one is, you know, like putting in some toast, layering on some avocado and then cutting up your hard boiled egg and then putting the slices on top of the avocado. Yes. Would would be really good. Yeah. That that would be, I'll consider that an elevated egg sandwich. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like like you're saying, I'm like, oh, that sounds amazing. But it wouldn't take that long either, though. It would not. It's yeah. Another quick protein because, you know, I ironically enough, I find not only my practice, but also just 
overall research research studies showing women intake of average daily food intake women tend to undereat in protein and that's something that's super important when you think pregnancy i mean we are creating a human right we need that protein and so taking just like you were saying that sandwich for example i mean a quick convenient way to do an added source of protein is now this can be a little controversial but i'm good with deli meat during pregnancy but you could even mm-hmm. do like a deli meat or but you can heat up like I ate deli meat. I just yeah. toasted it. I heated exactly. it up. Pop it in the yeah. microwave or you can throw it on the skillet if you're nervous about any sort of bacteria on that deli meat. But that's a great easy way to add protein and it takes you no time at all. Yeah, and you're right. There's I mean, I don't eat I mean, certainly not right now. I do not eat enough protein at all. And you know, women always laugh like, but you really do lose your butt postpartum. I don't know if you, you can relate, but it just falls off. It like actually falls off. And I swore after the fourth, I was like, okay, like we need to work on this. Like, so I've been doing like tons of lifting compared to what I was. I just felt like a scrawny, like I felt like I couldn't even hold myself up. Like I felt like I was a piece of paper about to fly away. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's hard to describe until you're in the postpartum period, but it's just like all the muscle just like goes away. I don't know. It's just, it's like your body eats it away or something. So I, yeah. And like, it's crazy because I've been lifting and I'm seeing a huge difference, but at the same time, I'm like, I still feel like I should be seeing more of a difference or feeling stronger. And I'm like, you know, what's definitely missing is protein because I, I don't, I do not eat enough protein, like not nearly enough. So that's something I'm definitely going to change. That is something I find quite often when I speak with women on an individual basis, you know, we're going through their, their food and their average intake. And we talk about a typical day and they're telling me what they're eating And let's take that egg sandwich, for example. You know, even if it's one sliced boiled egg, on average, an egg contains about seven grams of protein. And really, you want to be shooting for that 20 gram of protein or higher mark at every meal. At every meal. Oh, geez, Louise. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like... It's it's kind of outdated. Well, it's definitely outdated. The food pyramid is is old school. It's old news. It, thank goodness there have been updated recommendations. But yeah. kind of that outdated idea of, you know, you've got your pyram- pyramid and everything on the bottom are all your heavier carbohydrate food sources. And then right mm-hmm. at the top, we talk about protein. And when yeah. really it should be kind of swapped. I'm not saying your plate needs to be full of protein with a little bit of carb on the side, but it definitely could do most women could do to add more protein and be more mindful about trying to hit at least that 20 gram mark. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting too, when I was uh, pregnant with my fourth, I, you do your blood sugar test around, you know, 28 weeks or so. Mm-hmm. And I chose to opt out of that. I've, I've, opted out ever since my second pregnancy. I had like a horrific, like just vomiting episode like during it. And it just really turned me off. So I do the three weeks of just charting your blood sugar, like after every meal. And in the very beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, my sugars are so high. (laughs) And then you know what I did? All I did, all I did, the only thing I did was add protein to every meal and my sugars were totally normal. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm, this is a you problem. You can't see me, but I'm clapping right now. I love it. I love <laughs> yes. it. Can you imagine, you know, you have a background in medicine. You That's what you yeah. do. Yeah. And even you're like, oh my goodness. Oh, but we don't even talk about, we don't talk about like nutrition. Like, you know, like, I mean, yeah. you know, people think like, I'm, you know, emergency medicine, I know like emergency things, but when it comes to things like that. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I'll eat this, you know, I'll eat ice cream cake for dinner. 
But it's true. I mean, I learned more doing, I, I like highly recommend it for any woman that's like going, if you're, if your OB will allow you or your midwife to do the charting, just because you learn a lot about what your body is doing during pregnancy. And it's not so that you can eat less or eat. It's, it's just eating more balanced. That's all it is. And, and adding in the protein made such a huge difference. And it was just wild to me because I was even eating more, you know, and I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's all I needed to do. And I would have never, I would have taken the test and maybe failed and then never known why and wouldn't have adjusted properly throughout the rest of the pregnant, you know, who knows? So it was just, it was pretty eye opening. I, I really commend you for kind of taking power in your own hands and doing that. Yeah. And, you know, for anyone listening that even if they, thank goodness, maybe you don't have gestational diabetes or maybe you're not there with your blood sugar test yet, but you are pregnant or, back to the whole preconception and you're not pregnant yet, but you, you're curious how your blood sugar is responding to what you're eating. Regardless of whether you get a continuous glucose monitor, you can go to your drugstore, to CVS, you can spend the $50 and you can finger prick. I know it's not not super ideal. It's terrible though. I mean, you get used to it. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. But it also even kind of like what you did, Lindsay, where you just were kind of doing it for three weeks prior or three weeks, what did you say? Three weeks around? Three weeks total, four times a day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So even if you did it for that short period of time, you can, you can figure out, okay, how am I responsive to something like sweet potato or rice or pizza? Because Lindsay, your blood sugar might respond very differently than mine to the same food, right? Because we're we're so different. We're dynamic. And even though yes, sweet potato is a carbohydrate, it's going to impact both of our blood sugars. You might be more sensitive to it, whereas Mm -hmm. I'm not. So it's a great tool to really, it's a good tool to add to your toolbox of ways to kind of advocate for yourself and really better your own health prior and during pregnancy. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's talk about, okay, so we're pregnant. Now, I know the first trimester, oh boy, it's a doozy. And so many times women are like, what do I do about this severe nausea that I have? Like, is there anything as far as what we're eating that might be able to help us? Like, what do you recommend for that? Totally. So I will say for those of you experiencing it, hopefully this will give you a little bit of hope, but over half of women by 13, you know, after the first trimester, the nausea does subside and it's really like only 9% of women after 20 weeks will experience it. So mm-hmm. there's light at the end of the tunnel, but while you're in the middle of it and it's, you're just like laying on the couch, like I maybe can eat toast today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone's a little bit different. There are some tips that I can recommend and it's kind of one of those things that just trial and error and figure out what works for you. But first and foremost, I would say small, frequent meals and snacks. Try as best you can not to let your stomach just sit empty because Mm -hmm. that added emptiness or that emptiness is really going to kind of increase the feelings of nausea. And it's kind of like a snowball effect, right? Like once you're nauseated, you don't want to eat and then you don't eat. There's no going back. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so you're just like in a pit of misery, right? Yeah. So when you have those like, little bursts of energy or little bursts of nausea subsiding, try to get in a small meal. Start with the carbohydrates because those are going to give you quick energy, particularly for women that are especially sick. When you can tolerate eating, start with the carbohydrates because those are going to be most readily, quickly digested and readily absorbed. And then once you get in a a carb, that might, like I said, that might be a, a piece of toast or saltine crackers, 
you know, find what works for you with the carbohydrate and then add in your fat and your protein as you can tolerate. Another thing, other, a couple other things that are, are good that have been shown for some women to help alleviate that nausea is ginger's great, whether it's ginger tea or you're adding it into soups or, you know, I even did, um, you know, this is, wasn't sugar free. So ignore the effect on my blood sugar. But when I was totally miserable, just like I need help, I did the lozenges. You know, you can find it. I think I got mine at like Target, but it mm-hmm. was like a ginger, you know, lollipop basically that I just sucked on and it kind of just helped me get through. Yeah. So ginger's really helpful. Vitamin B6, you can get naturally f- through foods like, like for example, banana is good with, is a good source of B6 and that's a quick carb too. So that's a great one. Oatmeal, it's bland, it's a carbohydrate, but it does have vitamin, vitamin B6, which helps with nausea. Magnesium also is helpful. So you can get magnesium away. Okay, I, I love this little tip, but soaking like Epsom salts is a big thing that people do. Actually, Epsom salts are magnesium. So if you can soak in the bath with magnesium, um, with Epsom salts, excuse me, you'll help supplement with magnesium and that can also help with some mm. of the nausea. So it's a little quirky, but it, that'll help as well. Just be careful on the temp of the water, you know, and then funny enough, salty and sour foods, you know, this is oh, yeah. hilarious. Ugh, with like my right first, with I could not get enough sour foods and I'm, I'm not a beer drinker. I did not drink beer during my pregnancy and I absolutely don't advocate that, but I craved sour beer during my pregnancy. So strange. Especially in the beginning when I was nauseated, I was like, but I could drink a sour beer. <laughs> I was downing grapefruit by like the like bag full. It was like so gross. I was like, what is, I don't even like grapefruit. I've, I, I've like eaten like maybe one grape for my whole life and then got pregnant with my fourth, never liked them in any of my other pregnancies. And it was like a grapefruit, grapefruit, grapefruit. It was just oh so weird. Yeah. Our bodies are funny things. They really mm-hmm. have hormones. I blame it on the hormones. Yeah. It's just so, so weird. I'll add to and this isn't food related, but I did notice that with my fourth, subsequent pregnancies always hit me harder. I don't know if it was just that I was getting older or what, but um, it was difficult with her. And so I would get up early. I always do early morning workouts. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to do this with the, you know, while being pregnant. And I did them anyways. And I would get up in the morning, you know, I might not be doing anything as crazy as I was before, like before I was pregnant, but just getting up and moving my body early in the morning at like five, six o'clock, I found that it always made me feel better, like the entire morning. Yeah. And and then it would hit me like mid afternoon, but it, I, I always had a better morning when I moved my body. So that's kind of a little tip that I usually give people to just like try it out and see if it helps. It can be really hard to get up, but I don't know, something about like moving it early. I think there was actually something I had read on it as well that research had found that it did help with your nausea for some reason. So it does sound totally miserable to wake up early while yeah. you're nauseated. But then once you get going, I can see how you're like, you know, yeah. kind of subside. Just make sure that you're eating something, you know, like like you said, like a banana. Just grab a banana, you know, before you you do anything and, and fill your belly because otherwise working out on an empty stomach is not not recommended. <laughs> That would not be great. You know, one more note for those women that that do get sick, that are super nausea, but specifically those that end up getting actually sick from it, is just try to be mindful as best you can, quality hydration. 
you know, especially if you're getting sick, you're depleting your hydration stores, right? Like you're, you're losing fluid. So make sure you're repleting with water, but also um, sodium, magnesium, potassium. Those are all important things. Electrolytes really that you're losing when you're getting sick. So just try to be mindful that you're also staying hydrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, prenatal too, because I know that that's, we probably should have talked about that like a little bit earlier on. What are your recommendations as far as uh, prenatal vitamins and what to look for within? I know there's just so many different things that you want to make sure that are included. Yes, that's a great question. And this is probably one of my most frequently asked. So I just want everyone to be of the mindset that a prenatal vitamin is like an insurance policy. Now, I don't say that meaning you don't need it. I, I recommend everyone, whether, you know, especially if you're, I should have mentioned this with the first question talking preconception, but if you're wanting to conceive in the near future, anywhere from six months or longer, get on a prenatal and get your partner on a multivitamin. That said, a prenatal is like an insurance policy in that really having that food first mentality is going to serve you really well when it comes to utilizing and absorbing nutrients. So that said, when we're talking prenatals, they're not as bioavailable, meaning, you know, when we eat a piece of spinach, we are able to absorb the vitamins and minerals from that spinach more easily than in the vitamin form. And unfortunately, I'm sure you see that, you know, this being in the medical field with medicine and pharmaceuticals, the supplements, so vitamin is considered a supplement, is totally unregulated. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, the advertising can be very misleading. So things to look for, I, I won't sit here and recommend a specific brand necessarily, but things that to, to be aware of is you want to make sure, first off, that the vitamins in your vitamin bottle are in their active form. So, and, and it'll even say active form of B vitamins. They're phrased a little bit differently sometimes, but for example, let's talk folic acid versus folate because that's like a big buzz one, right? Like neural tube defects, folic acid is this miracle vitamin, but really that is the synthetic form of folate. So when we're looking at a prenatal for that one specifically, we really want to look for methylated folate. So it'll say methylfolate or Mm -hmm. methylated folate or L-methylfolate. So that's a big one because you know, it is very important, especially in those early weeks of pregnancy, that you are getting adequate folate. So that's one that I make sure that your formula has. I will also say if your vitamin is one vitamin a day, likely it's probably not comprehensive enough. Because yeah. if you're thinking about vitamins and minerals, they are actual matter, you know, like they have a form, right? So yeah. It's hard to fit everything you need within one capsule. I, I have yet to find a brand that is comprehensive enough in one capsules. No, the one I take is eight. It's eight. eight. Okay, yeah. yeah. You know, it, so. and, it's like, and it was created by a registered dietitian. I believe she's a registered dietitian. And and it's, I mean, I think it's, fab- I still take it now because I still consider myself postpartum because I'm still nursing once a day. So I'm like, oh, these are still good. But yeah. yeah Eight. I do four in the morning, four at night because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much at once. But yeah. I mean, you truly do. You can't fit it all. You just can't. You can't. And yeah. talk about like triggering, triggering nausea if you're taking eight vitamins oh my gosh. in the morning. Yeah. But, but yeah, so so we want to make sure 
that we have our active forms of our B vitamins mm-hmm. that it, it says comprehensive formula on the bite on the bottle. So specifically, and maybe, you know, as you're listening, you can kind of make a mental note or even write mm-hmm. these down if you're on the market for a vitamin, but you're looking for nutrients like, and these are the bulkier nutrients that often get left out are things like iodine, K2, magnesium, which we talked a little bit about mm-hmm. selenium, choline, B12, which of course is a part of your, your B vitamins, retinol. So, which is the active form of vitamin A, these are all nutrients that either get left out or you have a very minimal amount put into the vitamin. Mm-hmm. So so really in general, when you're on the hunt, a great resource I love is a fellow dietitian, Lily Nichols. She's on Instagram. So you oh, can go yeah. find her. Yeah, I've heard her. But she's got a highlight on vitamins and she talks as well about those. And I, I've referenced her a ton. I think she's a great wealth of knowledge. So you can also check that out as well. But I will say too, when it comes to, it's not just what you're taking, but it's also how you're taking your vitamins. So when we're taking our vitamins, we want to take them alongside a meal because our food, think about back in nature, when we're eating foods like, let's take red meat, for example, rich in B vitamins. Well, they naturally come alongside fat that's in that meat, right? Mm-hmm. Because nature is a beautiful thing. And they were designed that way because fat helps you absorb those vitamins. So think about making sure that if you're taking your vitamins, that you are taking it, you know, if it's in the evenings, try to do it with dinner. If it's in the morning, do it with breakfast. So that that's my recommendation specifically when it comes to to vitamins. So I know that wasn't super specific on a brand, but definitely. No, 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 that's perfect. So let's talk more about going into the second and third trimester. What are we, you know, looking to eat during those? Anything specific to help support the baby? Absolutely. So really the big one is protein. So we talked about your protein needs specifically in the second and third trimester goes way up because I mean, if you're thinking about it, your baby is doubling, tripling in size, especially towards the end of third trimester. So we really want to focus on getting our protein intake up because when we're in protein, I've yet to find, and I will say this also a little bit controversial, but I've yet to find a good vegan or vegetarian diet that I feel like I can be supportive of that's going to meet adequate protein needs without totally blowing blowing out of the water carbohydrates or you know mm-hmm. it's just really difficult to do. So that said, when I do say increase protein, I'm not necessarily saying like okay, bump up your black beans to 3 cans a day, you know, really being specific about or excuse me, intentional about trying to get in good animal protein sources is where you're going to get your best bang for your buck. And I I feel like that's kind of, there's a lot of buzz around, you know, like eat plant-based, eat plant-based. I feel like in the past year, even, I mean, it's always been there, but I do feel like it's, it's been a lot more over the past like year or so. I mean, personally, we, we actually had gotten this like subscription meal uh, plan because it was like 30 or 40% off for frontline healthcare workers last year. So it's like, oh, I'm going to try it out. And I mean, I actually really loved the meals, but a lot of the protein sources were, like you said, like they're really high in carbs and things like that. So my husband was like, honey, I need some steak or something. <laughs> he didn't feel full no matter how much he ate of it. He could eat like three platefuls and it just wasn't full. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's not surprising to hear because 
kind of back to the whole carbohydrates or your quick energy, well, they're digested really quickly. And then an hour, two hours later, you're going, well, I have that huge meal, but I'm that hungry. Yeah. yeah. But if we're thinking about, you know, our protein sources coming from meat, I hadn't mentioned this one, but kind of like a golden ticket food, which, you know, this can be a little, maybe we didn't all grow up on it, but liver, if you can incorporate, even I'm saying like one to two ounces of liver a week, you're going to be getting so many good, and I'm kind of steering a little bit from protein, but but I was thinking on, you know, what's important through the the second phase of, of pregnancy and on mm-hmm. towards the end, but liver is like taking a natural, a natural multivitamin. I mean, it really is like earth's mother nature's God blessed us with liver as a natural multivitamin because it's got B vitamins. It's rich in iron. It's rich in vitamin A, very important things all to help form baby, especially our blood volumes increasing where, you know, we're building baby's muscles and tissues and strengthening bones. So that's super, that's a great, a great way to get in some added protein. I wouldn't even know how to cook liver. Katie. So go go to the go to your butcher and say, Can I get some desiccated liver? And it's like I hate I hate even like saying that word. It's it sounds weird, but what I would do is you wanna like I I would not sit and eat a spoonful of it. I would mix it into your burgers or your meatloaf or your okay. taco meat, right? Especially like taco is a great one because you're gonna be seasoning it with with cumin and garlic and onion and all these, you know, aromatic flavors that will kind of hide a little mm-hmm. bit of that minerally taste mm. of iron, but it's a really good source of nutrition. And it's a natural way to get in some of these really important vitamins. But but back to other things that you can do for second and third trimester. Also kind of in the same vein of protein is collagen. Collagen for obvious reasons, you know, we're building those muscle muscle mm-hmm. tissues, brain development, all of that. Collagen is really great I, I'll, I have even packed it in my bag when I go to the hospital. Mm. A, I know we're not getting into postpartum yet, but it's a great um, source of amino acids to help build baby, keep you strong and supported and feeling feeling mm. nourished to be able to, to support health of baby as well. So foods naturally with collagen, think of things that are kind of like a, not collagen-y, but you know, like when you pull pork from the bone or the kind of stringiness off of, pulling chicken off the bone, that's that's the collagen. Or when it's mm-hmm. sitting kind of soupy on a plate and it's forming that gel, that's the mm-hmm. collagen. And that's actually really good for you. So those, But really beyond that, paying attention to increasing your protein intake. And then just it's the same principles of balancing the blood sugar, a well-rounded plate, consistently eating three meals a day. All of those same things apply. And then taking your insurance policy prenatal, right? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, so baby's here, and what are we? What are we going to be eating to support our bodies as we're trying to produce? You know, if if this woman chooses to breastfeed, what are we going to be able to? What are we eating so that we can support our milk supply? Yeah. So first one, of course, hydrating for obvious reasons. So want to make sure that we are drinking plenty of water. We want to really focus on good, healthy fats. Mm-hmm. So that can be, you know, if your baby, toler- neither of my babies tolerated dairy. So that was not where I was able to get some fat sources. But if you can tolerate dairy, I would go full fat. Don't ever steer towards the low fat or the skim. Do the real deal. Just like I was saying with fat helping your body utilize nutrients, it's meant to be there. So full fat dairy cheeses are great. Also fatty fish. 
So if you are in the habit or maybe it's a new thing to you, things like salmon and cod, tuna even, those are all great sources of good of DHA, which is a, a good healthy fat that is important for your breast milk. So those, and then of course, kind of the same thing of keeping your protein supply up because although you're not growing baby inside of you, you're now feeding baby through the breast milk production. And if you're not consuming enough, just like you're saying your butt falls off postpartum, your body's going to find its nutrients to make that breast milk from you, right? It's going to pull from your bones. It's going to pull from your fat stores. But also if we're depleting ourselves over time, you know, you really start to feel the effects of that after months of doing that. So staying on tip top of your nutrition so that your body is at optimal health, even postpartum and, and also being supported while you're trying to heal yourself. Right. So that's my recommendation. (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. And I actually didn't even learn about the healthy fats until after my third, because I had started doing, you know, just some working out and things and my supply was dropping a little bit. And I was like, oh, you know, I was told to increase my healthy fats. And the second I did that, it was like, my milk was like free flowing. And I was like, oh, that's all I had to do. (laughs) Um, So I would just make, you know, like scrambled eggs with a ton of like either olive oil or avocado oil. And then I would do you know, at lunch, I would just put avocado on everything and, and nuts and, and all of these things. And it just, it really, really helped a lot. So for those people listening, if you are having, if you're having any, you know, trouble with your supply, adding in healthy fats, along with obviously drinking a ton of water and some other things will, will help too. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And those are easy, easy, convenient things. Like we covered earlier, you know, eggs, eggs are one of the other, you know, I was talking about liver being nature's gift. Eggs are also one of those things because it's a complete protein. It's got lots of healthy fat. It's a really great way and a convenient way to to boost your fat intake. So I love the examples you gave of the avocado, the nuts, you know, even if it's a spoonful of peanut butter, y'all, yeah. you know, because yeah. like postpartum, if you're a month postpartum with your first, I mean, with any of them, it's, it's a lot, mm-hmm. but especially that first go around, it, it can feel overwhelming to even think about trying to sit down to eat. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. All right. So let's dive into a couple questions, shall we? Love let's it. See. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So, I like this one. This is funny. Any gender influence with diet choices? (laughs) Wouldn't that be cool? If you could just eat like a crap ton of protein. And then yeah. it's like, oh, it's a girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I have an answer to that one. No, not really. Yeah. I mean, that would be cool, but yeah, right, I let's see here. <laughs> Any foods for helping overcome postpartum hair loss and rebalancing hormones? Oh, that's a good one. You know, honestly, more than specific foods, 
I would really try to pay attention to making sure that you are really trying to balance your blood sugar. And I know I sound kind of like I keep beating the same drum. That really is at the heart of so many inflammatory conditions, Mm. including hormone imbalance. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. hormone craziness, right? Because if you think about it, if we're, if we're in a state of inflammation or, or really what I mean by that is we're on this roller coaster of we eat a high carb meal, our blood sugar goes way up, our blood sugar crashes down, we try to eat to bring it back up and get us more energy. You know, it's this never ending cycle of this crazy mm-hmm. roller coaster. And it really can it can cause your hormones to be crazy wacky. So honestly, I would really pay attention to take a step back. Are we are we not overdoing it in the carbohydrate department? And are we really getting a good spread of protein and fat too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's see. I'm struggling to constantly have food on hand. I'm in the second trimester and I need to gain weight. What are your best snacks? Love it. So nuts and seeds are going to be those convenience things that are also packed with healthy fats and naturally fats have more calories. So I would steer towards convenient fattier foods. You know, if you are cooking, just like you had mentioned, Lindsay, don't be afraid of adding in the oil and really cooking with a little bit extra oil or putting mm-hmm. that butter on your toast if you're still nauseated or not feeling well. Don't don't skimp on the fats. That would be my first my first recommendation. And then beyond just that the fats, convenience foods that I love. I love jerky. I think that's a really good one that can literally live in your car. You know, you're headed to work and you're like, oh no, I forgot to pack. That's something that you can just grab and keep in your car. You know, there there are all kinds of bars. You got to be a little bit careful about quick grab bars because they can be filled with rice flour, sugar, crazy, I don't know, syrups and things. And you don't want mm-hmm. all of that extra garbage. Yeah. But but I, w- I will say there are some really good bars out there that are higher in calorie just overall that's that's easy to grab and go. Yeah. All right. So this question I think we should address just because uh, I, you know, doing a podcast topic like this, I, I don't... I'll just ask it and then we can talk about it. So she says, is this, is this kind of talk damaging to the infertile? Like they're not doing enough to conceive. So I don't want this podcast topic to, and you know, I thought about this, but you know, this is something that we should talk about, right? Like healthy foods and, and what we should be eating as far as food groups, like throughout these different periods of, you know, a woman being pregnant and postpartum and things like that. And I don't want, you know, anybody listening who is trying to get pregnant to be like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not eating what I should be. Because let me tell you something. I got, you know, I didn't follow any of these things trying to get pregnant (laughs) with the majority of my kids. This is not like a necessity for you, you know, like this is just, hey, if you're interested in this and you really want to eat you know, specific food groups that are going to be um, great for your body, then, then this, you know, is something that you can listen to, but nothing is like completely necessary to try to grow a baby. Your body is, everybody's body is different and everybody's body is going to respond differently. So this is just something you can do to help aid in that. But I certainly don't want anybody listening to feel like they're not doing enough. You know, I don't know, Katie, if you want to add something into that as well. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. And I want I want to remind you guys too listening that when we talk about this, this is I'm talking optimal in a perfect world. What can we do to help continue to improve our chances or to help aid 
as best possible. But at the same time, just like you were saying, I can just reiterate, people get pregnant on doing a lot less. Mm -hmm. And just like you had mentioned, this is not a necessity by any means, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely optimal recommendations. But I want to take like a very specific example to show you if we think about Let's just talk the world of prenatals. Like everyone talks about a prenatal. Go get your prenatal. Do you have one? What is it? What brand, right? A hundred years ago, we weren't doing that. hundred and fifty years ago, mm-hmm. there was no such thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, so so I, I think I'm so glad this question came up because there's so many reasons that people struggle with fertility beyond food. So right. many reasons. So so don't ever feel that because you haven't done XYZ thing and the you're not balancing your blood sugar perfectly or have the perfect brand of prenatal that you've somehow done something wrong. So Mm -hmm. I love that question. I'm glad it was addressed. Yeah. Oh, I think these are really great. And I think, you know, you probably work with women specifically on, on topics like these all the time. You know, there's a lot of questions about specific foods for uh, PCOS when trying to conceive nutrition for, you know, gestational, uh, gestational diabetes. Can you just touch on, I mean, we kind of did briefly, but if if you do have gestational diabetes, how can somebody kind of look at that, like an overall look at, okay, well, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to deal with this? Is this going to be really difficult? How can you kind of break it down so that it's easier to digest if someone's diagnosed with gestational diabetes? Yeah, I would say, so gestational diabetes can also be renamed inability to tolerate carbohydrate intake. So, I mean, really that's, that's the gist of it is, is our body is not able to properly respond to the carbohydrate load that we are giving it. So to help kind of balance that or counteract that, it's really focusing on avoiding those higher sugary foods first off. So easy ways to kind of adapt if you have just been diagnosed with GDM or um, suspect you might have it is take a look at your beverages. Are you getting in any excess sugar or sweetener through what you're drinking? That's a really simple, quick way to cut some of that excess sugar intake to help balance the carbohydrates. Another thing is trying to eat or consume more complex carbs as opposed to those refined carbohydrates. So an example of that would be doing a whole grain bread as opposed to just a plain white bread. But then to continue to even further that blood sugar balance would be to make sure if you're using a a bread, you know, maybe you're doing a sandwich with lunch that you've got adequate protein. So quite enough protein on your sandwich and also fat. So an easy way to do that would be add avocado to your sandwich. And really the reason is to help slow down the absorption of that carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. I tell my clients, think about it as we don't want the roller coaster effect. We want the rolling hills. We want a Mm -hmm. nice steady up and a nice steady down. And so that'll really help promote that as well. Excellent. So I want to, this is a good question because I know we kind of briefly touched on this and I think we should try to obviously include all, I don't even know what the word would be, but like all classified eaters. So she said, can you mention anything specific for vegans and plant-based eaters? So, okay. So let's say, you know, someone who is vegan or is plant-based only is trying to get pregnant. And what are some foods that they can eat to kind of mimic what we were talking about before? I feel like it can be very hard when you kind of take out egg and like other like meat protein sources. Like for me, it's like really impossible to think about in my brain 
like what to add in? I know like chickpeas and things like that, but what what do you suggest? Yeah. So the first thing I would definitely make sure that you are on a B vitamin supplement because your B vitamins, the majority of them are coming from animal based products, mm-hmm. your meats, your cheeses, your dairy, right? So that is something that you really cannot, you have to outsource. You really can't get adequate B vitamins from a vegan or a vegetarian diet, which is also why earlier I had mentioned, I'm very, very I have a very hard time recommending that. And I realized for a lot of people, it is a lifestyle thing and, and mm-hmm. you might have personal reasons why you choose to eat that way. But that said, I would make sure that you're on top of your supplementation. And I don't think it would be a bad thing prior to conceiving or right at the beginning of conception, getting a full blood work done. So you can see kind of where you land on nutrients that you need. But other things, as far as foods that you naturally eat, I mean, you can, to help utilize some of the micronutrients, like the vitamins and minerals, let's take beans and legumes are a very common like protein source for vegans and vegetarians. So if you soak them, that helps to get those nutrients more bioavailable. So you can, you can actually hopefully absorb and use more of them if they've been soaked just overnight. So you can put, you know, dry beans, cinnamon water, and let them soak overnight. Do fermented foods, fermented vegetables is helpful as well. And then I have personally never had it. It's not very widely available here, but I, I think in some like health food store, stores you can find it, but there's actually a soy protein. I think it's called natto or NATO. I've seen it. Like I said, I've never tried it, but that is something that I have seen be recommended to also help support those that are not eating animal products. Excellent. All right. Let's see. Is keto a super low carb diet okay during pregnancy? Yes. Great question. I would not recommend a keto diet for pregnancy. Lower carbohydrates. So the RDA is is a it's a little bit behind the times. It research has shown that it takes honestly about 20 years, about 17 years from recommendation or from what's found in research to really trickle down and to become a part of recommendations. That said, recommendations for carbohydrate intake for women is anywhere from 175 to 300 grams of carbohydrates a day, which is to me just astronomical. It's kind of ridiculous. That said, Keto is way on the lower end of 30 grams or less of carbohydrates a day, depending on on 50 to 30 grams. That said, I wouldn't recognize, recommend that. I would try to find something in between those two. So I would say anywhere from 100 to 150 is a good, safe area to be. Mm-hmm. Now, you do have to take into consideration everyone's a little bit different. There's different heights, different weights, different activity and lifestyle. So you do have to take some of that into consideration but I would not recommend keto, but a moderate or a lower carbohydrate diet is not not a bad thing. And it's not been shown to have an adverse effect on mom or baby. But I will say, last kind of little caveat to that question is, you know, now nowadays there's so many products that you can go buy that are quote keto friendly or low carb friendly, but they're just total crap. Yeah. <laughs> really, they're like <laughs> It's junk food, right? So so when I say lower carbohydrate, you know, your carbohydrate sources, still be mindful that you're getting plenty of vegetables and fruit mm-hmm. and fresh, you know, fresh foods shopping around the outside of the grocery store, right? As opposed to the aisle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to do one more. So there's a couple of questions on this. So what are your thoughts on seed cycling? As, as long as you are familiar with that. 
just briefly talking about like what it actually is and then is it impactful? You know, honestly, I don't know the specifics of seed cycling. I have seen it pop up a lot, especially more in recent years. My initial thoughts on it are if it works and you find anecdotally that it's something that you feel good on, go for it. So seed cycling, from my understanding, is basically eating according to your cycle, you know, pre-ovulation, ovulation, and post-ovulation, right? The different phases of your cycle and eating in accordance with that, different types of seeds. So like hemp, chia, flax. Mm-hmm. And so beyond that, I really don't know much about it, but I, I do actually have quite a number of friends that have done it and that I've seen have, have just spoken wonders of it. So if you've got, a, if you've got a practitioner near you that does that and you want to go for it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Trying to do that to help increase your chances or, or really to just balance your hormones in general. Absolutely. I mean, it definitely can't hurt, right? I mean, just throw the seeds in whatever you're eating. <laughs> Yeah, and keep on keeping on. Okay, so I'm going to ask you two questions that I ask all the uh, people that I interview. And so the first question is, if you could give one piece of advice to moms, what would it be? And it can be about anything. Oh, man. Okay, so my one piece of advice to moms is, take it a day at a time, it gets easier. And just to elaborate a little bit on that, it's it's overwhelming, especially, you know, we're talking nutrition and pregnancy and then postpartum. So ideally you have a baby at the end of this and that just brings on a whole new level of challenges. Mm-hmm. And it can be so overwhelming at first, but it really truly is, if you let it be, the best is yet to come. Be patient with yourself. It gets easier. Yes, it does. And even when it doesn't, it, it, you know, it's just one day and then the next day is a new day. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so oh, I'm, I'm excited for this question because you're a registered dietitian. So this is a great one for you. <laughs> um, so if you could make one meal for your family, that's quick and rather easy and, you know, relatively, well, I won't even say that. It doesn't have to be healthy at all. So what would it be? But it has to be quick and it has to be easy. Like you uh, you have you know, 20 to 30 minutes to get dinner on the table and you have a really busy night. What are you making? Okay. Boom. I love it. So I'm going to give you two answers. I know it's like cheating. No, I'll give, give me two. Yeah. I'll take I've got my registered dietitian hat on. So I'll give you that one. And then I'll give you my I mean, am I going to die tomorrow? And I get my last meal and, it, and it's quick and easy and I'm with my family, okay? <laughs> okay. So my registered dietitian hat one is I'm going to pull some salmon out of the freezer. I'm going to okay. throw it on a sheet pan and okay. season it with whatever seasonings I like and pop it in the oven. And then I'm going to slice up some broccoli, toss it in some oil, salt and pepper and garlic. Also throw that in the oven with it because that's okay. I mean, it can be on the same pan because that's convenient. And then we have recently discovered this brand called Right Rice. Have you heard of it? It's called Right Rice. Like R-I-G-H-D? I think it, I don't know if it's R-I-T-E. Okay. You know, I think it's R-I-G-H-T. Okay. Right Rice. Okay. So it's Right Rice and it's a plant-based rice. So it's not actually made from rice. So quote unquote, but you literally boil water, you throw the bag in, you take you take it off the stove, you stir it and you put the top on it and you let it sit for 10 minutes and then it's done. So it's like literally the most convenient thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It's the yummiest, 
carbohydrate source. I toss it with a little bit of olive oil and salt. I put my salmon in my broccoli and toss it all together. And that is done in 30, that's done in like 20 minutes, honestly. So that's my quick and easy go-to meal for my Perfect. family. Awesome. If my, I'm going to die tomorrow, we're making homemade pizza. Yeah. Oh, so good. And fun for the kids. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'm looking up this right rice now. Now you have me like, so oh, it's, order it. it's packed with lentils, chickpeas, and green peas. And you can get all different flavors. So you, do I mean, you're flavors or do you get it at the store? I originally found it at Whole Foods, but then we were like, this is amazing. We love it. it so we, I think you can order it on Thrive. We have ordered it on Amazon, which is we live in Nashville, so we can get things. We're spoiled. We can get things day of. So did you try any of these flavors or do you just do the original? I mostly do the original because I love the original that much. It but tastes I good. Done, it tastes good. Like I said, I like extra virgin olive oil, like the good stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll do a little bit of that and then salt. And I could eat it like that. But okay. I've also done the cilantro lime was really yummy for Mexican. And I think they had like a curry maybe. Okay. Let me see. They had they had like an Indian kind of spiced Spanish? Is, there's Spanish, there's lemon pepper, garlic, and cilantro lime. Oh, Thai curry. Pepper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thai curry. That's a good one. And I love I love a quick curry. That's another like if you need if you're just like, how do what do I do? I need something quick. Get get yourself some curry paste from the grocery store. Do some rice or like this as a rice sub. And then any vegetables that you need to get rid of in the refrigerator, mm-hmm. slice them up, add your protein, and you've got a one pot curry dish that's done in a half hour. Yeah. That's awesome. This is something Costco needs to get. Oh my gosh. I'd order it by the pallet. Are you kidding? I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> this is like one of those things that Costco needs to to get on board with because like that's where I need to, with a family of six, it's like, that's where I need to shop. So yeah. Well, you need to order this. <laughs> Let me know how you like it. It truly is the easiest thing in the world. Like I think I fell in love with it at first because of the convenience. Yeah. And then I paired, you know, I made dishes with it and I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It looks really good. I will definitely let you know. All right. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your night to chat with us and teach us all about nutrition. It was awesome. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for having me on. This has been really fun. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend. This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug unwind, and have a little fun.